Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one transcendent page of Talmud every day. It is my absolute pleasure today to welcome to this show the author of, you know, probably the greatest book about the Talmud since the Talmud. If you're listening right now, I want you to press pause for one second, go to the nearest browser and buy Ilana Kershan, our guest today, Ilana Kershan's amazing, amazing book, If All the Seas Were Ink, which is a memoir of her reading Dafyomi, which is a brilliant meditation on Talmud and on Jewish text and on learning and on being, and just really a fantastic book. Ilana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And so I've been meaning to talk to you for a while because I'm, I'm really such a huge fan of the book. But to be honest, I was waiting for a passage that, that would really kind of honor your, your brilliance and your spirit. And I found it uh, in today's page. And I want to read it to you. It's very short and kind of evocative. It's one of these weird Talmudic tales that you could sense, you know, folds mysteries in its midst. The Gemara explains, It is as that which transpired when Rav Chisda and Rabba Bar Rav Chuna were going on a boat. A certain Matronita said to them, Let me sit with you. And they did not let her sit. She said something, an incantation of witchcraft, and stopped the boat. They said something, the holy name, and freed it. Which, of course, raises this question of, you know, witchcraft, encountering witchcraft by expressing God's pronounced, explicit name. Help us make sense of this strange story. Well, I have to say, the first thing that comes to mind when you read this story, um, ships in Talmudic times were, I guess, sort of like airplanes today, in the sense that, you know, going on a, a trip by ship was a big deal. You didn't do it all that often. Um, and then, you know, I imagine, you know, these rabbis there, they're, they're on the ship, this Roman matron, right, non-Jewish, aristocratic woman, wants to sit down next to them and have this image of, you know, it's like you get on the, the you know, the, the LL plane and the religious man, who doesn't want the woman to be next to him, it's like, you know, that's, you know, in the third century, that's my first association. Um, and the other, the other immediate association I have is, um, so I have a theory that a lot of the stories in the Talmud are reworkings of, um, of biblical stories, almost as if I imagine the rabbis went to sleep with the Bible under their pillows, kind of, and had these wild dreams, you know, that, that burst forth from the biblical text they knew so well. So, I, you know, I can't help but, you know, hear about a boat and not think of Jonah, right, especially a, a boat where there's trouble on the boat. So there's, I think, somehow lurking in the background, this is just the backdrop to your question, right, lurking in the background is this, this case of, you know, Someone's on it. There, people are on a ship, and all of a sudden there's there's problems. You know, not not the tempestuous storm of Jonah, but here we have this problem. The ship isn't moving appropriately. Okay, whose religious tradition is responsible? <laughs> and and it turns out, you know, who's really in control here? Ah, you know, this is the Talmud telling the story, so the answer is going to be the Jewish God, the Jewish tradition, of course. And there's something about right, not every what 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 the rabbis and what this nation say, right, that either can or cannot affect the destiny of these of everyone aboard the ship. Oh, I absolutely love. I've never thought about that, but I think that's an absolutely brilliant suggestion. Let me let me though dive deeper into this issue of the express name. First of all, you know, we refer to God as Hashem or the name, and 
Mm-hmm. In trying to make sense of this specific story, I know that there's sort of a long dispute between centuries of interpreters, some of whom said, hey, you know, using God's explicit name to sort of ward off sorcery is great. It only illuminates the greatness of Hashem. And others like Rashi suggested that, you know, what, maybe you shouldn't ever use it for practical purposes. Give us a little bit more about the sheminess, the nameness of Hashem. Part of the problem is we don't know how to say God's name, right? God's original, like, ineffable name as expre- as written in the Bible, right? No one knows how to pronounce it when the Bible was first vocalized in the 10th century, right? Everything was vocalized except the name of God. So it remains this great mystery. Um, and, and it was always it was always considered, you know, a, one was never supposed to speak God's name. God's name was only uttered in the time, but certainly dating back from, I guess, well, definitely in the second temple, right? When could you say God's name? You could say God's name. You know, the the Kohen, the high priest could say it on Yom Kippur in the temple, or um, or you know, in the in the Birkat Kohanim and the priestly benediction. But aside from that, you never utter the name of God, right? If you utter the name of God, it would resound everywhere. The Talmud of Yoma tells us it could be heard for kilometers and kilometers away. People would hear the echoes of the name of God recited by the high priest on Yom Kippur. So this was a really, really big deal. Shrouded in mystery because we don't know how you say how you say the name of God. Um, and what's really interesting to me about and okay, so because of that, right, we came up with all these other terms, right? In our prayers, we say Adonai instead of God's name. But you know, then it became a problem because you know, once you once you start saying Adonai, that name becomes almost like the you know that name becomes almost as holy as God's name. Can't say that, so we start saying Hashem and then Hashem is the name instead, right? As we become more and more you know, uh, removed from that original ineffable sacred name. Um, but what, what I find most fascinating about this story is, right, when you, when you learn, we're, we're encountering the story, right, sort of in a vacuum, as you and I are discussing it, as if, as if devoid of its context. But really, the whole purpose of Dafiomi, as I see it, or a major purpose of Dafiomi, is that you're encountering a lot of fascinating Talmudic passages, some of them very famous, but in their original context. And what's so interesting to me, if you'll let me go here for a minute, is just if you consider... The, the larger context in which this story appears, right? This this whole page, aside from this little section, and the whole next page of Talmud are all about, um, you know, bathroom matters. Specifically, you know, what you're allowed to carry to the bathroom on Shabbat. Um, anyway. I spared so you that discussion, but I'm happy you're bringing it up. <laughs> well, well, I just got a little nervous when you said to me, I waited to discuss this page of Talmud with you, and I said to myself, oh, yeah, you really picked that up. <laughs> But, um, but I was a little nervous at this decision. But anyway, um, um, but okay. So we have all this, all this bathroom talk, right? Now, if there's any place where you're not allowed to change God's ineffable name, right? What's the opposite of the bed on the couch? You know, like the place, you know, the, the bathroom. Of course, you can't change God's name in the bathroom. And yet, what are the rabbis doing? Right? It's, it's sort of ingenious, but they're interpolating this story about saying God's name in a context of which maybe it's appropriate, maybe it's not, in the larger context of both before and after it is this all these bathroom stories. So I think there's also something sort of funny happening here. Um, um, funny, heretical, I'm not sure exactly what. The last of us, maybe a little bit, I don't know. Um, but certainly something deeper in, and you and you only appreciate that if you if you if you consider the larger context. And people think that Talmud isn't funny. Ilana Krishan, thank you so much for helping us shed light on this wonderful, mysterious, and now we know, heretical passage. (laughs) Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, 
please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>